Had to wait for the drop. It's kind of weird to hear this song without the lyrics, but... Welcome back to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. A little worried about tomorrow because of the snow. I'm supposed to go see Elton John in concert for the second time and probably the last time I'd get to see him, but the snow is getting in the way. And then Cats play tomorrow at 8 against Oklahoma State, which, of course, got to be there for that to be the public address announcer. I need Mother Nature to do me a solid. Just one time. (laughs) One time. I don't ask for much. But one time, just completely be underwhelming. Don't deliver on what the forecast says. You've done it before. You could do it one more time. This morning when I watched the television weather, they were talking about the snow starting about midnight tomorrow night. Is that still the case, or do we know that? So if that's the case, you'll be good. won't be an issue. Yeah. Because the show will probably end at like 10, 1030. Mm -hmm. I can get back from Kansas City, of course. You know, we got to get out of the arena. But, you know... Hopefully back by one. So, you know, I hope five inches of snow doesn't drop in an hour. That might be an issue and might have to stay in Topeka, which doesn't sound like fun, but got to do what you got to do. And then I can get back from, you know, Topeka to Manhattan. And then the next day, that shouldn't be an issue. Sure. But gosh dang it, I want to see Elton John one more time. I don't blame you. Have you ever seen Elton? I have not. And I, I would, and I mean this sincerely, not trying to be funny, I'd go just to watch him play the piano. Sure. However, with that voice, I'd prefer he sings. <laughs> the thing is, his voice has really changed over the years. Yeah, it's it not as, yeah. I wouldn't say, you know, he used to sing at higher notes, but much lower now, his voice is a lot deeper sure. than what it used to be. I don't know if it was just giving up on the drugs and alcohol, or maybe that changed some things. I don't know. He's been sober for a long time, but sure. Um, I just love Elton John music. Um, shout out to Bernie Toppin, who writes his music. Um, again, one of those weird transitions on where you're talking about something just so much fun. I can go on for hours about the music I love and the concerts I've been to, but I've also been to a lot of K-State games, and I've seen better teams. <laughs> and what hurts me so much about this year's K-State men's basketball team is I know they got talent. Nigel Pack is hitting some insane threes. Marquise Noel is fun to watch. He makes some crazy layups, and he can knock down some deep shots as well, but it's not like what Nigel can do, especially being consistent with it. And then Mark Smith, I love his ability to just take over a game like he did, at least on K-State's half of the game, just take over and and try to keep K-State in it. Had some big numbers against Ole Miss. He can hit some shots. He's a great rebounder, best in the league. Marquise Noel, one of the best assist guys in the league. Nigel Pack is K-State is one of the top three three-point shooting teams in the league. They're talented, but the team doesn't have enough talent to be able to compete game in and game out against the best conference in the country in the Big 12. Yeah. Now, with that said, let's just throw this out here, and we may or may not talk about it later, but <clears throat> excuse me, it was not a good weekend for the Big 12 in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. What was the final in the challenge? I didn't see the uh, six four SEC. Mm. Yeah, and that kind of stung because everybody had talked so much about you know the Big Twelve going out and proving what everybody was saying that's far and away the best conference in the country. It still may be, honestly. But who of us thought that? You know, I thought Kentucky had a chance in Lawrence, but I'd be lying if I thought. They'd win by 20 or 25. I mean, according to College Game Day, Kentucky had injuries. I don't know them too well. 
Uh, but I mean, she way. He's good. He's he's one of the best in the country. Oh, unbelievable! And uh, I was listening to the game on my way back from McPherson, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was a uh, just KU or um, uh, UK dominance yeah. in that one. Yeah, it was like fifty-one thirty-one at half. Yeah, I mean, how many times yeah, that, you see that? Even happen? that that, that yeah. is shocking. Yeah, but back to your point, you know, I I do think, and I've said this all year long. Maybe people are tired of hearing us talk about it. But I do think K-State has a better product on the floor now than they had a year ago with, with more options, more depth, what have you. But they're still not where they had hoped to be uh, for a multitude of reasons. I do think there is still some inconsistency in, in quite a bit of their play. Now, there are some things that happen pretty regularly that you would say are good things with, <laughs> with the consistency, and that's, that's guys like Nigel Pack scoring. I mean, K State's played twenty games, um, ten and ten. Yeah, and Nigel has been in double figures in seventeen of the twenty. That's pretty consistent. Yep. Right. Um, I think you could say Mark Smith has been pretty consistent. Uh, Marquise a little more up and down, but pretty consistent. Still putting up those but, assist numbers. But as far where as do I'm you concerned? go from there? Yeah. That's. I think that's that's. They the, need help. The heart. Well, yeah, and you know everybody has to do their part. Um, and that's true of every team, but but right now, um, you know, there's just not a lot of production. We talked last hour about Selton Miguel maybe being out a couple of two or three weeks. You hope it's the former, not the latter, but we don't know for sure. Um, it was a fairly significant sprain of, of his left ankle. Um, but again, I think that the focus for most of the fans is is, is what K State is either getting or, in this case, not getting out of the five-man spot, uh, the center position, and it's just, it's just inadequate. And, you, you know, you can't mask it. It's, it's what it is, and they're trying, you know, to, to figure out some things and try some different things. And, you know, against the competition that they've played, it's, it's been pretty tough here of late. I would say I don't like to be the guy that's, you know, the broken record competing or uh, repeating just kind of the same story over and over about how I feel about the team, where they're lacking, what they're doing well. But that just kind of feels like where the consistency is, and a lot of it points towards the scoring. Who's scoring game in and game out, and who's not? Who's shooting well? Who's sh- who's not shooting well? And just you know, de- I would say defense. You know, has been pretty decent this year. Maybe in the Big Twelve, they don't have the solid numbers that they had throughout the whole season. Maybe dragging down the numbers a little bit, but still respectable. I mean, they're holding teams to a respectable amount. Where offensively, if they show up, they could beat. And unfortunately, you're right. I mean, the bigs have been underwhelming. And for instance, it's not just a scoring, you know, lack of rebounding from the bigs. Uh, protecting the paint has been an issue. I want to give credit to Cole Manbeck, who who added up the numbers and came out with this stat. I don't know if he tweeted it out, but, he, you know, in a group chat, we're in a group chat together, and he, he brought this up about how Mark Smith, we know he's been an amazing rebounder, definitely putting up big numbers at eight and a half a game. He has a total of 167 rebounds this year. Well, if you add up the numbers between Davion Bradford, Casey Eziegu, and Ish Masood all together, they have 164. Wow. So Mark Smith has out-rebounded those three guys this season. That, that really is twofold, isn't it? I mean, it, it shows you how good Mark is. It, it makes almost no sense that a 6'4 guard, a wing, should be leading the Big 12 in rebounding when you have some of the, the guys that we have in our league. But, but he, he's right there towards the top. The other factor is the scoring. We were looking at this, you know, during the five o'clock news break. There, 
you have to go back. If you take Nigel Pack, Mark Smith, and Marquise Noel, you have to go back 17 games where somebody else either led the team in scoring or was tied, in this particular case, Selden Miguel with Nigel Pack with 14 each against Arkansas. That was the 22nd of November. Since then, it's been Marquise, Marquise, Nigel, Marquise, Smith, Marquise, Nigel, then Marquise and Nigel together, then Smith, Pack, Pack, Marquise, Pack, Smith, Pack, Pack. <laughs> Nigel Pack's the man, isn't he? No, well, the, but there we've. I think we've we've made our point that you got three guys that have done pretty well, and then some of the other guys have. You know, it's just just kind of what it is. I don't like being too hard on Ish Masood because he has shown us at times. You know, he can make some plays. He can hit some shots. I mean, for instance, against Oklahoma and West Virginia, pretty big in those games, sure. building leads and also trying to come back and beat Oklahoma on the road. He scored 13 points in both of those games. He had a quite a good day against Marquette. You might remember in that game, he was hitting some threes and had 16 points. But, I mean, for instance, in the last six games combined, he's 6 of 20 from the field, so he's averaging just a bucket a game. And in those last six games, he's only hit two threes. So he's had a really rough patch when it comes to scoring the basketball, and we've seen lately he's been kind of losing some minutes. Well, a couple of things there. One, well, probably a two or three things here. I think, one, the competition in the league makes, makes a difference because he has struggled more so in Big 12 play and the athletes that you've got there. Um, his minutes at his normal position have gone down. His minutes at the five position have gone up because of the inadequacies there. So, so I think that's a factor. And, and you know, that, that old thing called confidence, <laughs> you know, sometimes is a, is a pretty big deal too. And I, I guess the, the fourth and final thing, I still have a pretty high hopes for him in the future with, with two years to go because I think – if he gets to to be as strong as I think he could be with that frame um, and his ability to shoot the ball, um, I just don't think he's going to get knocked around as much. And I think you'll see the scoring go up, um, especially if you know, if, you know, all things being equal, all of those other guys, with a couple of exceptions, you know, with Mark being gone and 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 Mike, everybody else has the potential to be back, right? I mean, yeah, you, you could see him taking a jump next year, or at least I can. Well, I would love to see him be a little bit more aggressive. We don't see him take it to the hoop a whole lot, at least try to drive. He will, um, but he's just kind of more of a spot-up shooter. I think that's sure. where his comfort zone is. Yeah. He loves that left wing, and he'll, he'll try to knock him down. He's 33% from three-point range this year. I don't, I don't think that's his best clip, but it's kind of average for what – um, Ish Masood has been able to do. I've just seen him do some really great things, and I've seen him also have some bad games. So I, I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm optimistic about Ish Masood, but at the five, it definitely has to be addressed. It, 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 I was asked this question in the in the office today by a coworker. I'm not going to call him out or anything, but it, it was kind of responding to like kind of a laughter of a question when it, when you're responding to these last two losses. The question was, so how long before somebody transfers away? And it, it, it made me actually think a little bit because this day and age, the transfer portal is active um, and guys leave early. That, that happens. Um, I've heard Mark Smith say it many times that we all believe in Coach Weber. We're here to win for Coach Weber. We're not giving up. So 
if he's speaking for the team, nobody's going to be leaving anytime soon. If I were to, though, make a prediction on who's going to jump in that transfer portal first, it does kind of feel like Davion Bradford would be t- that type of guy that would want to try it somewhere else because he's taking a step back in his sophomore year. He's, uh, I'm sure he's getting criticized out there. I feel bad for him because I think he does have a lot of potential. Uh, he, he, he was criticized for being out of shape. We did, not, not so much from the coaches, even though it has been brought up in interviews about they want to get him in better shape, but that has been a story this year. And, you know, Casey Ziegu, I said it last week, I feel like he's peaked. I, I feel like his has athleticism and his basketball ability has peaked. It really has. I think what we see is what we get. That's just my opinion, though. I don't no, want to put anything in your mouth or anything. Or no, I, I mean, I, first of all, I, I can't disagree with that necessarily. I think, to be perfectly honest with you, Casey, what he brings to the table in terms of where he helps the team is supposed to be defense and rebounding. The defense, he's still pretty good. The rebounding has fallen off this year a little bit. Again, I, I really try hard not to make excuses for, for the guys, but you know he has not been the same since the knee injury. And I think we all see it. Yeah, we, we all know it. it. It is what it is. So I don't know what else to add to, to Casey's story. Davion is a, is a different situation because you know Davion has really good size. I think he has good hands and feet. Even if he isn't a what I will describe as a great athlete, I think he could be a more than adequate center in this league if he is conditioned properly and can be healthy and can find that confidence that he played with a year ago. You know that I mean I I have this note that I've left on my chart <laughs> from from the beginning of the year over the last 9 games last year. Davion averaged 9 and a half points, 5 rebounds, was in double figures 5 of the 9 times and shot 65.4% from the floor. Yeah. Now Let's look ahead to what this year has brought. 18 games, four starts, 3.9 points, 2.4 rebounds, zero double-figure games, 15 minutes a game, 52%, as opposed to 65.4. It doesn't take a genius to see that that's a pretty legitimate drop-off. It is. And they're, they're, frankly, there are reasons for it. Confidence is some. Shape is some. Health is some. It's just kind of what it is. I, I might be just Captain Obvious just making the statement, but it just truly feels that with the talent K-State has had a, the guard position, when you see the consistency from from Nigel Pack, um, maybe some not, not much from not so much from, from the scoring point of it, but Marquise Noel with his ball handling. K-State has been, has been so good at not turning the basketball over this year. I don't think people realize this. Well, 11 early, a game, they, early they really struggled. No, no doubt. But you know how many they had Saturday? Five, <laughs> I think it was five or six. Six, yeah. Let me double check it. At four against Illinois. Yeah, they had five turnovers on Saturday. Marquise had two. Mark Smith had two. Ish Masood had one. Nigel Pack played almost thirty-seven minutes without a turnover and had seven assists. If you look at the country's numbers, though, eleven a game, not too bad at all. That's at, correct. That's forty-first in the country. So what that tells you is more, more often than not, they're not hurting themselves like they're not beating themselves it's just they're not going to you know when you're 
settling for so many threes, you're not going to have the best day shooting. Last couple of games, they've hit a lot of season lows from scoring to field goals made, field goal percentage, assists, like the ball movement wasn't there against Baylor. That, that has taken a hit a little bit. It would make a gigantic difference if they had a big that was out there, not only rebounding, if you could get nine or ten points a game out of them, be a big point, uh, a post presence, a huge difference. That's another thing. Not really a block, uh, a shot blocking team. No, uh, it, it isn't a shot blocking team because you don't you don't necessarily have the athleticism, even if you have yeah. some of the size. And and the reality of it is, for the most part, K State is undersized at almost every position. But but the three point shooting, to give you an example, and I know you want to get to a break here, but K State's at thirty three point seven. Comparable teams in the league, Oklahoma State at 29.9, TCU at 30.1. It's a good way to end it. Yeah. When we come back, let's have some fun because we worry about maybe does K-State not have a draft pick this year? I think they do, and they actually might have two guys that could be drafted. Um, But that also has to do with uh, maybe a couple guys that are in the Shrine Bowl. That's going to be played on Thursday, and some scouts might be looking at them. You never know. And we'll talk about that next on Wildcat Insider. We continue with Wildcat Insider on K-Man. Mitch Fortner with you, along with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Did get this information from uh, Manhattan Athletic Director Mike Marsh. This is some high school basketball news. Um, so the Manhattan girls tomorrow night set to take on Seaman. That game has been bumped up when it comes to start time. It is now 545 is when that game will start for those that are concerned about that one. Boys still at Topeka High tomorrow at 730. We're going to have that, actually have that as a, uh, as a, a doubleheader tomorrow. Brand Peoples is going to be on the call for the girls game. And uh, Troy Coverdale will be in Topeka for the boys game. Uh, I, I still plan on going to Elton John. That's why I'll be not, <laughs> I will not be on the call for either of those games. Also, we'll say another exciting thing about this week is the East-West Shrine Bowl. A couple of Wildcats will be competing at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for that 7 o'clock game on the NFL Network. I, I actually like that more than the Senior Bowl. Even though it's a Reese's Senior Bowl, I love the, the, uh, the sponsor. But in Mobile, Alabama, ugh. Vegas is a lot more exciting for these, uh, I guess, now former student-athletes, even though they'll be repping their uh, team logo one more time. But uh, as far as I know, uh, Skylar Thompson will be playing for the West and Russ Yeast. Defensive back for the Cats will be playing for the East. Yeast in the East. So uh, I suppose we could see them on the field together, but against each other. That could get pretty interesting. Yes, it could. Really excited to see how both of those guys go and, and, and perform. Hopefully they'll get you know some good opportunities there. Um, it's exciting for both uh, to start this, quote, new phase. We all know Skyler so well because he's been here for such a long time. But I, I said, remember on this show during the season, what a, what a great addition Rush Yeast was as, as an individual, but also as a very consistent football player. And, and uh, I, I, I hope that, you know, maybe he could be a, you know, mid to late round pick I think most would would say that he would probably be kind of more towards the late round end and and probably Skyler too but we wish them the best no doubt about it I didn't notice this until uh I was looking at the rosters again I just wanted to double check yes Skyler playing for the west Russ Yeast playing for the east 
also on that West squad is Brock Purdy. Wow. So I, I, I guess from what we heard from Skylar Thompson at Big 12 Media Days, he and Brock Purdy are kind of boys now. They're friends. Yep. Um, and also another quarterback that's going to be on that West squad is Jack Cohn. Played at Notre Dame. I, I suppose he could be a draft pick as well. Um, but yeah, Skylar Thompson is still number nine on Mel Kuyper's big board when it comes to quarterback. So I was going through kind of all the K-State seniors or all the potential NFL draft prospects, those who have declared for the draft. And that was one of our Twitter questions earlier today. Um, as I go on Twitter every Monday for Wildcat Insider, ask for your questions coming from Colin Settle, who does work here. Uh, but he does ask on Twitter, with Skyler and Russ playing in the Shrine Bowl, what are your thoughts, Wyatt, on those two and then other seniors making the NFL next season? Oh, Colin, I appreciate the question. I didn't realize he worked for you guys. Yeah, he's done some uh, some play-by-play, some color. He, he's a, he was go. actually helping coach Wamigo this last year, and he's also done some scoreboard Saturday for okay, us. Okay, very good. Well, he's done a lot then. And I think he's done some, like, Anchoring, maybe like okay. sports stuff, you know. Well, I know he's done a lot for the you know the college station and done a lot of games and stuff. Yeah, I've, I've seen him doing doing that. But well, anyway, the the bottom line is, I think you know, like I said with Rush Yeast, think about this now to come in here as a four year guy from Louisville and 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 start and be first team All Big Twelve. I think kind of gives you a pretty good idea of you know how well he played. Um, I do think he'll have a chance to get drafted. I think Skyler will have a chance to get drafted. Up and above and beyond that, it probably gets a little bit more sketchy to, to me. I, I would say the other guy that I think could be, could be, would be left guard from Hutch. Your young lady there with the Hutch Salt Hawk shirt on would like this. Josh well, maybe, Rivas. Maybe she might know him. Do you know Josh Rivas? It rings a bell, actually. <laughs> but you guys didn't like hang out at the same parties or anything? No. Okay. Really big, big frame, though. He's in really good shape. Um, I think it would be safe to say that he really made his way here. He was a pretty highly regarded guy. Uh, he he's I mean he started all of last year and and you know part of another season. Uh, but he he just got better and better as he got in better shape and he's been really well coached. I remember talking to him and you know he, he, I'm paraphrasing here certainly, but I I think he feels like he's as lucky as one could be to be coached by Charlie Dickey and and then Connor Riley in, in one college football career. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. So hopefully he'll have a shot. You know, I, I probably have more of a of a better idea of who could go in the draft maybe after Pro Day. Sure. Uh, which is, I believe that's in March. I'm not sure exactly when. And, of course, the Combine, who would get invited to that. I would imagine, you know, Colin could probably get invited to the Combine. Um and Josh Rivas, uh, those are probably the two I would pick right now. Uh, and Russ Yeast is kind of a dark horse okay. in uh, that seventh-round area. And f- I, I was just doing a bunch of research. I was trying to get an idea of who would be those two Wildcats. And right now, according to a couple of those uh, you know, draft websites or whatever, uh, they look pretty legit, that Skylar Thompson and Josh Rivas are seventh-round picks right now. Okay. And that is despite Mel Kuyper having K-State's uh, K Skyler Thompson as the ninth-best quarterback in the draft. Uh, I, I guess the story is that this isn't a big quarterback type of class when it comes to this draft. I was looking at mock drafts, and it turns out you might not see a quarterback in the first 15 picks. Like That's just the way it's being mocked right now. That doesn't consider potential trades. I saw some like CBS 
mock draft was saying you could definitely see like the Detroit Lions. Like they could trade their second pick of the draft for a team that needs a quarterback so they don't miss out on their guy. Sure. Like Kenny Pickett. Like the first actual quarterback being taken in the draft is saying like maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers might want to take Kenny Pickett. Pittsburgh to Pitt to Pittsburgh. Well, and that's the an easy que- move. Yeah, it is. And the question is, we will they have to move up to get him? To me, that's the real question. And I, I don't know that I am aware of where they draft, but I would I would guess based on results this year, they would probably be in the upper middle-ish or maybe a little higher than that, maybe, what, 12 to 16, something yeah. like that. I don't know that. That's just a total guess on my part. But I think there is need there, depending on how you feel about Dwayne Haskins and how you feel about uh, Mason Rudolph. But... Big Ben's out after 18 long years. Yeah, <laughs> so there there may be a need there, and and you know Pickett being the hometown college guy, if you will, at Pitt. A lot of people are, you know, you know how the media guys are. They want to make that fit. That that's that's a cool story. So Josh Revis, Russ East, Skyler Thompson seem like the three. The three I think that so. could you know sneak yeah. into the seventh round or something. If I had to pick one of the other, I would maybe put Josh Revis, maybe ahead of the group. Uh, I mean, big guy. He's a six-six. You know, he's, he's great size. He's very athletic for an offensive lineman, left guard. He, he, he could. I think he maybe does have a future. You, you, you never know. We'll see. But undrafted free agents. I think he got a lot of them for K State. Daniel Amaterbebe is one I would definitely throw in as a sure. undrafted free agent. Ben Adler is somebody who I'd definitely throw in there. I'm going to forget some guys. Uh, Noah Johnson. Uh, is maybe some people would say that I'm crazy for saying this too, but I think Nick Linners has a chance. Uh, not not necessarily to be drafted, but but to get into a camp and and have a shot at it. You know, again, not the world's best pass catcher, but he's had his moments too. Um, but he just does so many other things well, uh, things that you know not a lot of people see, honestly. Good blocker, terrific blocker. You know, there's going to be, I'm sure, a decent amount of guys will get their shot, like a cup of coffee, you know, sure. to, to get into some camp, you know, uh, like Landry Weber maybe. Yeah. Or, uh, he, he might be able to sneak in there and maybe get an opportunity. You never know. I kind of think, I kind of, this is just me on my wish list. I'm going to throw Reggie Stubblefield in there. Stubblefield is another one, like yeah. an undrafted free agent type. Yeah, yeah again, yeah. I don't know how I forgot him, but I mean, the sauce boss. How for many sure. how many times did you hear people say, "Well, I don't know that DJ Reed can make it, or I don't know that AJ Parker can make it," and here they are making it. Yeah, and making good money doing it. So it, it's all about opportunity, fit, um, needs, <laughs> a lot that goes into that. Well. Another guy that made the best of his opportunity, Byron Pringle. Oh, for sure. Who had three touchdowns this postseason. Unfortunately, not going to another Super Bowl. But and this could also be that might be all she wrote when it comes to his career as a Kansas City Chief. Yeah, you know, he might. This might be the last one. This loss to the Bengals. How if it is? I know I'll be sad about it. I'm sure a lot of people out there will be. But but the upside to that is, and there is an upside to it. He's played well enough that he will get an opportunity somewhere else. Yes, no question about Absolutely. that. Absolutely, this season did him a big, you know, a big favor yeah. of having a couple of multi-touchdown games. He's like a return guy. Yes, he's going to do everything the right way. I mean, all that's important, man. It, it's, it's it's what it is. 
I think at the, at the NFL level, and believe me, I'm as far from an expert as you'd find, but I do think there is something to doing things the right way and being well coached in college and knowing how hard it is. Some of those guys come in there and, and they're just, you know, they're so freakishly gifted they're going to make it regardless of how big a nutbag they are. Okay. And then you got other guys that, that do everything right, multi talented, under the radar guys like a Tyler Lockett. Right? Yep. That's a pretty big gamut there, right? Well, when we come back, let's, what do we say? We jump back into men's basketball because we were kind of down on the previous segment. But, you know, <laughs> if there's a time to turn it around, especially in conference play, it's probably this week. We'll preview the Cats and what they have this week up next. Somehow, some way, we went about an hour and a half of this show without hearing any great Aoka Lee news, but now it's shown up. You know, it's a tad bit late, but we got it. Uh, Aoka Lee, obviously, in my opinion, best player of the country. She was announced just moments ago to the Wooden Award late season top 20. So the Wooden Award, which obviously goes to, uh, you know, best player in the country. Um. She's in the top 20, so they think she's a top 20 player, of course. There's only, I was telling you during the break, Wyatt, there's only one player that maybe can argue that is better than Aoka Lee, and that's Caitlin Clark of Iowa, who's just about averaging a triple double. As a matter of fact, here's the difference. Uh, before college game day on Saturday for ESPN, they gave a big shout out to Aoka Lee before the show. Well, Caitlin Clark got the shout out during the show. So her 61 points, Aoka Lee, got overshadowed for this college game day show for Caitlin Clark of Iowa, who is actually the leading scorer in the country. And we know how flashy points are over everything else. Sure. Yeah. I think Clark is a terrific player from just looking at the numbers and seeing a little bit of tape. Um, I don't know that any K-State fan would make the, that trade right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> that, and I don't know for sure, but but – it's really cool for her to be a part of this and experiencing all these things. Um, I would think common sense would tell you she would certainly be one of the final, what, four or five or six probably? About half oh, yeah. of them, wouldn't you? What oh, do you yeah. think? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'll give you this. Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark is averaging 25.5 points per game. Aoka Lee is averaging 25 yeah. points against us. There's barely any difference. And I would imagine Caitlin Clark doesn't get double teamed as much as Aoka Lee and Lee fighting through that every game oh, sure. with some pretty incredible buckets. The way the, the moves she can make in the paint is quite impressive. Uh, let's see. If I, I was trying to look at some other numbers here to see if she's like top 10 in like rebounding or not. Yoki's not top 10 in rebounding, uh, but she's just barely out of the top 10. All right, Wyatt. Well, we got a couple of games for the K-State men this week, and they start at 8 o'clock. Wednesday in Bramlage, back at home against Oklahoma State, a team that is not eligible for postseason play this year, and they're also—I I still believe—they're ten and ten. Are they exactly like K State? Yeah, ten and ten. So what are they about? Well, it's an interesting club, and I say that about a lot of these teams. But it—it's an interesting mix of you know new and old, so to speak. I mean, Avery Anderson, people will remember him. He's back. Isaac Likely, it's been there a long, long time. Rondell Walker is back. The Boone twins. M.A. Moncrief, um, but they do have a KU transfer in Bryce Thompson, who's been pretty good. Musa Cisse, a transfer from Memphis, is their five-man. 
Uh, they did have a young man by the name of Donovan Williams get injured in the early part of the season. Oh, we know up. who he is. Oh, he's really a talented player. He was also committed to K-State for like four days. Oh, for sure, <laughs> yeah. But th- this is a team that I think you have to say they're, they're solid. Uh, like K-State, at times they've struggled to score. I think they've found life after Cade Cunningham to be somewhat difficult, and I get it. <laughs> Hard to lose the number one you know, college player in America, but that's what they were dealing with here. But I, I think it's I'm, – I'm probably sounding like I defend them here a little bit. I think – it would be really hard to play this season knowing you have no shot at the, at the league tournament and or any kind of postseason, despite the fact that they've played pretty good competition. They were ahead of Florida in the first half by a pretty good margin at halftime in Gainesville Saturday and let it get away. Lost the ball game 81-72. But I, I think they're, they'll be a hard team for K-State because they're athletic. Uh, they, they defend. With that said, you, you hope K State can can make some shots, get some production from somebody, you know, in the front court, uh, and make make a, a possibility of, of winning out of this. It won't be easy. There's no doubt. I was telling you during the break. I, I'm surprised that Oklahoma State's still that one team. I just have not been able to catch one of their games. It's not that's not just because K State hasn't played them yet. I just haven't been able to watch any of their games, so yeah. I haven't seen them in person. Even though I've seen you know a number of their players in person, yeah. sometimes it's hard to look and make sense of things that happen. I mentioned, I think last week, you know TCU, <laughs> they lose at home to Texas by like twenty or twenty five, go to Iowa State and win. I mean Oklahoma State has theirs too. You know they they won at Baylor, it, albeit when with James Akinjo out, but they won at Baylor and played really really well, um, and and then. I mean, they lost at Texas in a close game. They've had some winnable games get away from them. They've just, again, bobbling up and down a little bit. But they scare you when they have the ability to beat Baylor, don't they? Yes. That's my personal I'm still trying to figure thought. that one out. Yeah. Baylor wasn't great that night, and yeah. I don't think – you know, I, I mentioned earlier in the show that I didn't think K-State played with a lot of passion early in the game at Baylor and it got away from them quickly. I kind of think that's what happened to, and again, no disrespect to OSU in any way, shape, or form, but I don't think Baylor was as ready to play that night against OSU in Waco as they normally are, and it cost them. If you remember the game, honestly, Baylor jumped out to a big, I don't know what it was, 12, 13-point lead, maybe even 15, just steadily climbing back, and OSU got them in the end. Was that a midweek game or is that yeah, a weekend? Midweek game. I've noticed Baylor yeah. does not draw as many fans during the week than they do during the weekends. They, True. A lot, they have not had very high attendance. W- which is being really astonishing being the defending national champion. For sure. Not, and I understand they're different. And, and they're not drawing what I would say is poorly. Uh, and again, I'm sure they're going to get more for Texas or you know somebody like that than they are you know K-State or you know Iowa State or something like that. But you know, to have only five or six midweek probably is thousand is probably pretty disappointing for them, I would think. And then Saturday, a road trip for the Cats as they're going to head over to TCU, Schulmeyer Arena, and face the Horn Frogs at seven o'clock. So you got two night games. Yep. Uh, eight o'clock and seven o'clock. This seven o'clock game in Fort Worth. I, I kind of categorize both TCU and Oklahoma State kind of in the same area. Maybe not so great offensively, but defensively, though they do a good. Good enough job defensively to keep them into some games, some big games. And that does kind of worry me. Yeah. Here's what worries me. 
You ready for this one? <laughs> this should worry you in a big way if you're a K-State fan going to TCU. TCU is plus 9.7 in rebound margin. Hmm. When they were here in Manhattan, they were sixth nationally in the country, averaging 42.8 rebounds a game. So they will rebound the ball. They're better now than they were when they came here. And remember, K-State had them beat and let them off the hook. Yep. But they have gone, including the win here against K-State, they've gone 4-2. and two. That includes a win at home against a ranked LSU team on Saturday. Yes, LSU had been sputtering a little bit, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Emmanuel Miller has played better. Chuck O'Bannon has played better. Damon, uh, Damian Ball has played better. Mike Miles has played better. You get the idea. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying. They're 14 and four. Yeah. I'm not trying to say that they should be ranked or you know they're a top 20 type team, but I don't think they're 50th either. I think this is. I don't know that I'm really. I, I'll say it this way: They don't have an R.J. Nimhart on their team or a Desmond Bain, but they may have better balance, and will be harder for K State to beat. Other than the K-State games, there's one game I'm really looking forward to in Big 12 this week. We'll discuss that coming up next on Wildcat Insider. All right, Big 12 this weekend. It gets a little, you know, it starts tonight. West Virginia, Baylor at 8 on ESPN. Same time on ESPN, two is TCU and Oklahoma. Okay, that gets us started, right? Yeah, Tuesday, it kind of ramps up a little bit, does it not, Wyatt? Two top 25 teams, or uh, I'm sorry, two top 25 games are going to be taking place. 6 o'clock, ESPN, Kansas at, at Iowa State, so Hilton Coliseum is going to be hot. But, you know, something just seems to me like it's not going to be quite as hot and loud as United Supermarkets Arena when Texas Tech, I'm sure gracefully, with respect, is going to welcome back Chris Beard and his, uh, his new team as the Texas Longhorns. There will be some emotion in the building, and you kind of really understand it. Um, I know their fans were furious when he left and went to Texas, but let's remind ourselves here that Chris Beard is a UT grad. It's quite an opportunity for him uh, in terms of the national stage as a major college basketball coach. I think over time this may wear down a little bit, but it's not gonna, it's going to be fever pitch tomorrow night, right? I mean, there's no doubt about that. Czech fans are mad. They don't like him now. He's kind of the, I hate to use the term Dr. Evil, but he's kind of Dr. Evil now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there will be some emotion in the building. But I'll be honest with you. I, I think there's going to be a lot of emotion in the building with KU at Iowa State. I mean, they get fired yeah. up when, when KU comes to town, and it's a hard place to play. Now, with that said, um, I don't know what you think. But I think potentially the Texas Texas Tech game could be either really good or Tech's going to blow them out. That's the thing. I thought tech, Texas Tech, it's going to be no. so – if you're Mark Adams, how do you feel about this one? It's your, your former – you were an assistant for Beard, sure. and now well, you're playing against him, and the fans are more into him visiting than your team just winning the game. You know, of course, Texas Tech, they the fans want him to win the game. I think Mark is a very fine coach, has the, the most – up, utmost respect for Chris Beard as he should. I don't think he will be the, the guy tomorrow night that you should watch. You, you yeah. should be watching their fans because they're they're chomping at the bit for this one. I'll wrap up with this. Secondary tickets for Texas at Texas Tech. Cheapest 
$350 to watch wow. the return of Chris Beard. Wyatt, glad to have you back. Absolutely. Thank we'll, you. We'll talk again next week. That's the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. For Sage Williams, I'm Mitch Fortner. We're back with you tomorrow.